Hello, and welcome to the Common Sense Wellness Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Timothy Crumley, and I'm here with our other co-host, Emma Cranston. Today, our topic is going to be, uh, drum roll, uh, the No Surprises Act, uh, which came into effect as of New Year's Day of 2022. And uh, the irony behind the No Surprises Act and its name, because it was one big effing surprise for a lot of uh, (laughs) providers and people. It's complicated. It's, um, yeah, there's just a lot that, that is with it. And I actually want to make a disclaimer as we enter this episode um, that uh, first and foremost, there is zero legal advice in this podcast episode. Um, and we highly advise consulting with, if you have an attorney that you work with, this is to our providers that listen, um, yeah. that you uh, consult with an attorney, that if you have an attorney that you work with already for your practice, that you consult with them on this law. Um, if you you know haven't already, um, or just legal experts in general, like that's that's where that's where we would advise people go, and that's where we would mm-hmm. advise people direct questions or you know try to learn more about it. Um, we're going to share, I think, aspects of it that you know based on our understanding. But um, this is by no means a workshop, or by no means um, an information. Uh, uh, how, sh- how should I put it, Emma? It's not. We are not sharing information so much as we are sharing our interpretation and understanding. Yes. Which, yes, we do have somewhat based in fact i think that tim as as the ceo of common sense you've done a ton in gathering information here but it's all through our lens and perspective mm. every provider should refer to their trusted sources mm. they should not be us yeah yeah well just to clarify that too actually one of our co-owners uh megan rivenberg she actually did the legwork and a lot of the legwork mm-hmm. around that. Um, my mom, who was another co-owner, did some of her own legwork on it. Um, and I'm, you know, a lot of my information has come from them or um, has, has come from that Megan. That's a fair, yeah, um, give credit where it's due. Yeah, totally, totally. And, you know, and yeah, and I think, you know, that's what we can speak to. We can speak to what common sense in some ways is doing. But um, really, I, I guess I kind of just want to talk about it in general and then also mm-hmm. some of the provider reactions that we were seeing, which I found fascinating, the, 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 <laughs> the dynamics within mental health and just... Um, Holy cow. It was, yeah. yes. Um, and some of it very warranted. Some of it definitely valid and, you know, but really interesting. Uh, but that's what this will be about. Again, there's, there's no legal advice here. And please, 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 if there are workshops coming up with legal experts that you can attend, and I know that there's plenty out there and there's more popping up with this as time goes on and as we get a better understanding of it, please attend those. Um, please do your due diligence for you and your practice. And, um, yeah, do not use this podcast as an all-encompassing uh, information session by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, and just more information will come out as time continues, I'm sure. Yeah, so absolutely. We're speaking from today, not the entirety. For sure. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, we'll dive in. Um, but first, just a little bit about our group. The Common Sense Wellness Group is a group of providers, social workers, mental health counselors, and nurse practitioners uh, serving clients within New York State. Uh, We work primarily through telehealth and have since uh, 2018, uh, but we also do provide uh, in-person services in the capital region of New York. Uh, If you have uh, further uh, questions or you want to uh, explore our services further, uh, you can find us at www.commonsensemh.com or you can reach out to us at intake at commonsensemh.com. All right. So just to jump in, um, yeah. So, uh, well, first, yeah, what what are your reactions to the No Surprises Act? 
What's your, <laughs> what's your take? How this makes me sound, but so my reactions, my initial reaction was avoidance because uh, I got to see some provider reactions and I saw some more dramatic provider reactions, <laughs> which then prompted me to think, oh my God, I'm going to wait for more information and pretend I didn't read this. Mm -hmm. uh, so my initial reaction was that of avoidance. Mm -hmm. um, at this stage, honestly, my, based on my understanding, two reactions, honestly. One was like, oh, wow, I'm being impacted by something. Like, wow, there's a big old governmental act that impacts me. Not to say that previous mm -hmm. acts have not impacted me. Like something like a healthcare act obviously impacts me but mm. it wasn't as direct slashed slash nuanced. Yeah. You know, like a, a health insurance package pretty much is gonna affect all the United States versus the No Surprises Act that impacts medical providers much mm. more. Right. And in this instance, mental health falls under medical providers. Yeah. Um so there was just a little geek out moment of like, oh wow, <laughs> this is relevant to me. Mm. Um but then my additional reaction is kind of like, them. Oh, it's not the worst. I see this as kind of a good thing. Yeah, yes, yes. Well, yeah, no, I, I think, so just, yeah, I, I hear you on all that, Emma, because I, I, you know, again, saw similar reactions and, um, you know, and it's hard because I think in many ways, so just to back up for a little bit and to give some context, and this is also for our providers listening, but just the general public too, um, or, you know, people who are in therapy as clients, you know, the, so the no, the no surprises act, I think the intent behind it, I think, well, some of the intent I should say, cause I also think that there's a lot of, um, a lot of it's, you know, wrapped up in what the insurance companies want. Shocker. Right. right? It's not like, um, uh, this was a law that was signed by the Trump administration and regardless of your views or political standing, um, this was not something that, you know, the president at that time woke up one morning and thought, Oh, I want to help people with large medical bills. Um, sorry that that's just, you know, what, it, that's just what it is. Um, but I think that, um, you know, that that said, I think that there was a lot of context around that. However, the part of it that is meant to really tackle that piece is so important because we have, mm -hmm. among other issues in our healthcare system, you know, it is absolutely the case that people go in for procedures, medical procedures, um, you know, especially like within like large hospital systems, this happens a lot. And this actually gets at some of the issue with the law that I have and I know other providers have which we'll get to in a minute, but um, larger systems have a, a, a major problem of, especially if a client is either underinsured, not insured, or have has major cost share uh, responsibilities with their insurance. Um, they'll go in for a procedure not knowing what that cost is going to be, and they find out afterwards, and they get saddled with a gigantic medical bill that they did not know beforehand, which is not proper informed consent. It, it, no. It never has been. It, it, it isn't. It's accepted practice, or it has been, um, but it shouldn't be, and it's messed up. Like that's. Mm -hmm. It's predatory. It's predatory. Yes, and 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 just period. Like that. There's no if ands or buts about that. No. Um, so I think a law getting at that, which I think this does, from what I can tell, um, it does help really address that. That is phenomenal. That that addresses one of the many other issues, but that addresses one of the main issues of our medical system at this point. Um, granted, somebody knowing ahead of time that they need a life-saving procedure and knowing that it's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars, 
and they still have no insurance and there's no like it, it is one of those things where it's like you can give informed consent but the person has no choice or if they're gonna die I'm like cool now i know yeah i mean i you know you can plan but i guess you know so i mean there's there's ways you could look at that and go that's really like a band-aid on a gaping wound right absolutely but informed consent obviously is better than, than not having informed consent and that needs to be the case. Right? If the mm -hmm. system is that backwards and you are going to get saddled with that kind of a bill, you should at least know it beforehand. Um, so, yeah. So I think that that's um, yeah. Because you could ar you could argue that for many of these procedures, it's actually th there's still a um, how do you because there's no informed consent if there's no choice, right? Mm -hmm. So right. I, I just want to make that clear that there's still a problem with informed consent even with this law and even with that disclosure. Um, but yeah, the disclosure needs to be happening. So. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing with this, and, and from my, again, my interpretation and what I'm learning of it um, and what, how we're looking at it, I think, at, at Common Sense is that um, this law is being applied to medical and, and healthcare providers, rather, across the board, including fee-for-service private providers. Now, on the surface, you would think, well, why not? And it's like, if we're already doing these things then that really shouldn't be an issue. But what's happened is that, you know, a lot of fee-for-service providers in private practice already do operate this way, right? Like you can't, like, like for example, like when you go in for your weekly therapy session, you know pretty quickly, hopefully you know before you start, and I know most practices set this up before you start, although the ones that don't, even for them, you would know pretty quickly into it. Um, you're going to know whether or not you owe a copay, a deductible, your self-pay. Um, they should have been having you sign an agreement if you were self-pay before this law. Hopefully they were. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? So like with, with fee-for-service, that, that problem that happens in a hospital or within a large medical system isn't really so much of an issue in private practice. Um, medical costs are still high and there's still problems with people being uninsured and not being able to seek services. So all that still exists. But the disclosure aspect really isn't a problem because you know what you're paying each session. If it changes, your provider should be notifying you in advance and they generally do in private practice. Like these just, these aren't really problems in private practice. Right. But what's happened is that there are certain um, very specific ways in which we're supposed to disclose certain things based in this law, which we won't, we won't even take up our time in here with, but ways in which we're supposed to dis uh, disclose certain things that it's, it's redundant at best. And at worst, actually it's putting providers in a position of having to disclose information that may not even be applicable to a particular client that they're working with. And it can be, um, unsettling or even like it can be like surely panic inducing for somebody if it doesn't apply to them but they're having to be disclosed this information anyway if that makes sense so yes. like there's a lot of problems like that coming out from it where it's like a provider in prior practice is going why do I have to disclose to my client not just a full fee but you know like one of the things is you know full fee projected over the course of a year right and there's certain ways in which you're supposed to disclose that and there's different interpretations of that right now but like you're supposed to you know disclose this this basically this projection, right? And it's supposed to be realistic to what the client may end up having to pay. That's that's great to do that for a client that that actually applies to, right? Yep. Um, do you have to do a yearly projection? I mean, you know, the law is saying, yeah, but in all reality, a client, if they know what they pay per session, can figure that out. You mm -hmm. take up the, I mean, they have the informed consent at that point, right? Mm -hmm. But all right, fine, we'll do it with them or for them. For a client who is sliding scale and maybe they can't afford the full fee and they pay a much lower fee because you've already taken into account their financial ability, you're already working with them on that, you have an understanding, everyone's happy, great. Now they're going to get a notice in the mail that this, you know, it's like that sort of thing I think providers understandably really started panicking over when this law and came out. that's what I was seeing the panic about. 
you said you were seeing that yeah yep that was the initial exposure i had to the no surprises act where i'm part of a few like um therapy-based facebook groups Mm -hmm. uh, or like provider-based facebook groups um and the post that stood out to me was somebody just kind of saying like so now that my entire livelihood is in question uh based on the no surprises act and you know i'm fully confident that my clients will leave based off of the outrageous numbers i have to disclose what are some of you guys doing for alternate streams of income and i'm reading this and i'm like <laughs> what do you mean your entire career is a question I'm just, what? <laughs> like, i had this moment yes. that's just like <gasps> oh my gosh and definitely had about honestly probably only 15 seconds of runaway thoughts of like oh my god in the mm. just recent past, I transitioned out of out of any type of W-2 employment, and I am now only private practice. Mm. And if I'm gonna lose all of my clients, how am I gonna survive? Like, I like what will this do for my worth? What am I gonna have to go get a job in? And it was literally like 15 seconds before I was kind of like, <laughs> I'm just going to trust that I would have had some level of awareness mm. that this was really going to destroy my entire field. Yeah, yes. So I kind of yes. like, it's actually quite proud of myself for like taking a step back out of the panic. Good for you, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I put it all on you in my mind. I was like, Tim will tell me. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, so it was great. No pressure. <laughs> just, yeah. Totally deflecting my, my responsibility onto you. It was perfect. Uh-huh. Uh, and it worked out for me, so yay. Oh, good, I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> but it was just kind of like, let me gather more information uh, and by let me get let Tim gather more information, he'll mm. tell me, and uh, yeah, mm. it'll be great. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But so there was that panic mm. for sure, and I think the post that stood out most to me, I don't think was necessarily the norm. Like that was definitely a level of catastrophization that I don't think every provider would have had. You know, mm. so I, I don't want to say like that was every provider who was panicking. But I think there were some legitimate concerns of like how if I was a client and somebody was having me sign something saying, hey, you might have to spend, I don't know, what's some big number, $15,000? Right, you were yes. to do Like based on whatever my fee is, if you were to do a year of sessions, what you mm-hmm. can spend $15,000. Mm-hmm. I can imagine as a client being like, um, $15,000 is a lot. Right, right. Yes, like, yes. Yes. Especially if I would like, regardless of whether or not I was paying that full fee, yeah. or if I was doing a sliding scale, it yep. would stand out. Um, yeah. And I'm using fifteen thousand dollars as a completely made up number, just to to clarify. I, I have no idea what, what kind of a number. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But just if I was hit with a big number, it would frighten me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and again, yeah, and I think you know, and and so just jumping into that, I think there's the prospect of having to do that with new clients, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where I want to be careful too, because like I had like even just now, right? I had a reaction as you were sharing that example of the post. This person being like, "My career is over." I have my own reaction to it. I want to be mindful of that though, and actually hold myself accountable there because, well, I I think my reaction is valid to a point. However, I think that depending on the provider, depending on the position that they're in, this has larger implications, right? Someone who Mm -hmm. only does self-pay 
and has their their system set up and they see their self-pay clients and, it, it, you know, their practice is moving and good. And, you know, to then suddenly have to disclose something like this, I think is actually a much bigger deal, right, than for somebody who's working That's primarily with insurance clients, right, where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, but the insurance client, you know, they're actually probably used to getting disclosures like this from their insurance company and other entities. And, you know, if they're especially if they're in network, it's going to be like, yeah, listen, like this is it's it's I think there's probably ways in which that can be contextualized for a self-pay person. There's ways to contextualize, and I still think there's ways to navigate it. And I think we have providers in our group who are showing that right now, and they're navigating it. And despite this law, and they're navigating it just fine. But I think that there's a real understanding. I want to be empathetic towards that panic, right? And where that provider may have been coming from. I don't know who who they were, but like, I want to be empathetic towards that. Because like, on the other side of that, though, I, I, yeah, because I think that there is this fear around like, you know, having to give that number to a new client. And, but I do think that this is where it's so important. Um, I can hear Megan in my brain with this too. It's so important around how we contextualize and how we present this, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. you can give proper informed consent and actually you're improving your informed consent by being very clear and, and very articulate about the context in which you're disclosing that thing, right? Yes, if you paid a full year or a full fee, and right, the number you used was arbitrary. Let's, let's say it was 15 grand. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, side note with our providers, weekly, full year, it wouldn't be that much. But um, <laughs> but, but like, if we, let's say it was that much, right? Like, but what does that truly mean? Like, what does that actually, you know, entail? Um, and again, for, especially for a client on a sliding scale, right off the bat, that number's too high, right? Right off the bat, they're probably never gonna even come close to that. Um, but this is, so there's that. But then this is the other thing with it that I think people have been understandably, I think, panicking over and thinking about. And again, you know, I, my my feeling on it is if we, you know, if we do what we're supposed to with this and, and we're, you know, mindful and careful, it, it's gonna be okay. I think the panic, you know, I don't think we need to panic. However, there's a lot of um, providers that a lot of providers were upset over because it's not even just a matter of like getting the disclosure right and like what happens to the relationship if you don't get it right with the client. Obviously, that's that should be paramount, right? On top of that, there's an accountability process that comes with this law, and that um, providers are now subject to, and they're forming these boards now. Um, I feel like I'm talking about like death panels and the whole remember the whole thing with with with, with uh, Obamacare and and the far right going on about these fake death panels. I feel like I'm talking like that when I'm when I'm sharing this, but this is actually real and it's not, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Um, like there's be these panels and, you know, but like, but there are, like there's actually going to be an accountability panel that essentially um, we are subject to. And long story short, these projections, all the things that the law is requiring, if you charge a client $400 or more above what that projection is in a year, um, you can be subject to fines um, upwards of like 10 grand, uh, depending on, what happened and if it's founded and so there's uh, like that's where that's the other piece now again for a hospital system that sounds very appropriate because a hospital system they don't want to lose 10 grand that's a lot of money to them too but they can probably swallow that and they might learn from that change their system and move on that could bankrupt the provider that could someone in private practice that's horrible like and especially if you have a client that really wasn't wronged but is upset about you know, let's say an outcome or that maybe they're upset about, you know, um, you know, something else unrelated to uh, the the price of therapy, but they, mm-hmm. you know, want to go after their, pro- I mean, there's just a lot of things that, that can be misused and, and abused and providers are vulnerable with that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it adds all this additional pressure to get that piece of it right. 
So that's where I think the other element of the panic comes in. But again, it's one of those things where I think if we're really, and this actually ties into research around malpractice lawsuits and malpractice in general, if we are upfront with our clients and we are giving that context around where these numbers are coming from, um, and I'll share one way in which actually common sense we're doing this right now, I think that's going to really help. Um, but if we're you know really mindful about how that's presented, I think we can avoid a lot of that, right? It's mm-hmm. like not only can, you know, most of these clients don't even get close to that number anyway, but even for someone who does, like if it's presented in the right way, there's a very small risk actually, I think, of liability of, of somebody. I think what where there's a higher risk is if there is sticker shock, if there is um, if there is a surprise for the client, right? Um, you know, like there's, there's a lot of like factors even within the relationship that can lead to that becoming a problem or becoming a complaint or lawsuit. Um, if this is presented right, I don't, I think you actually lower that risk regardless of what this act is requiring us to disclose or not. One way in which we're doing it within our group, I know is that we're actually having providers with their existing clients, not new clients, but existing clients having verbal conversations around the law and just talking about, Hey, if you get something in the mail from common sense, that's outlining, you know, uh, a new, basically, it's outlining what our financial agreement now outlines, which is what the full fee is and what that would look like over a year and all of that. If you are sliding scale with me, if you have a certain rate set with me, what you're going to get in the mail, this is for information purposes. Please know that your rate remains the same. Please know, basically reassuring the client that nothing is changing, right? right? Like that's that this either either doesn't apply to you or if it does, these are numbers that, you know, you probably already ran or you probably already have an idea of but we have to disclose to you kind of like a credit card statement does right like Mm -hmm. you know how your credit card statement now has to and i think this is i think that has to do with the 08 crash and the recovery legislation (laughs) that came afterwards but credit card companies for the last decade or or so have had to disclose if you pay the minimum payment it's going to take you this long to pay off and with this much interest they have to disclose that on their statement front and center this kind of the same thing here it's annoying that we are being subject to that, especially if we were already doing things in a fairly ethical way with our clients around fee for service. But that's really what this is. And I think mm-hmm. just again, comparing that in that way to a, for a client and, and talking about it in that context um, and, and doing that before you show them anything in writing and then you present them with that in writing, I think that can go a long way so that they're not just getting this random statement in the mail thinking they owe you, you know, 15 grand a year when, when they really don't. Um, right. You know, um, the other thing that we're putting on our paperwork, and again, consult an attorney, is that in addition to these projections, we make very clear that fee for service can vary. And partly where, and this is where I think the law really does get it wrong, is that why it's so hard for us to project is that people, if, you know, a client has an emergency and we don't charge them a cancellation fee, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they go on vacation for a couple of weeks or we go on vacation for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. a client needs to be seen twice a week. For a, mm-hmm. a month or so because they're in a crisis or there's an additional goal they're working on. Lots of ways in which that yearly projection can change. And it, that's where it's like getting absurd because it's like, okay, why do I have to give a projection that could be totally wrong in the end when they know the fee for the session? They can, they can project it over a week, a month, a year, however they want to do it. And I think, again, that's where some of the frustration comes from. But we have a notice alongside those projections that states just that, right? That yeah. says, hey, like, you know, this is, you know, that ultimately, yeah, these are projections that we're required to give and they may give some semblance of what you may pay if you were full fee. But if you're sliding scale or if 18 other things happen, this can change and this is subject to yeah. change. And fee, that's how fee for service works. And we basically state that, you know, we're giving you the fee for service. So we expect you as the client to do your own budgeting and projections, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like noting the the other mm-hmm. end there, right? The, 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 the Here's no. what we do. Here's what your role is. 
Exactly, right. And and my hope is that God forbid if it ever comes to pass and we, you know, have to rely on those disclaimers and disclosures, we can say, hey, like part of the client's informed consent was us acknowledging this dynamic, was us acknowledging, mm-hmm. hey, like we actually expect you, the client, to be able to figure out what you're going to owe and not owe. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So mm-hmm. our hope is that that is going to, and I know that I know from some of the groups, like you mentioned, you, you know, you're in Emma and I know that I'm in, um, that's some of what's being talked about too, is like just having a disclosure around like, this is how FIFA service works and this is what the law is requiring. However, we ask that you do your own projections. Um, that in of itself, like, does that kind of, and I think, you know, we'll probably, we'll find out when there's lawsuits around it or when there are complaints when that come up. When it starts happening, yeah. When it starts happening. Um, but that's where, again, these are all pieces that you need to consult an attorney on <laughs> and talk to your lawyer. Exactly. And, yeah. 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 I, I can feel some level of the frustration with this act in that, and I don't necessarily want to say this is like, oh, it's such a terrible thing, but just, you know, as a smaller business kind of a provider, meaning not part of like this huge hospital group or anything like that. Um, if I think of my practice, I spend time explaining things to my clients Mm. in part because I can recognize what it feels like to be a part of systems that I don't totally understand. Like I clearly remember trying to figure out what the hell health insurance was. (laughs) Being on the phone and like, I, okay, what what is a deductible? Like, what are you saying to me? Yes. and part of that, I think, comes from my own like financial upbringing, my own socioeconomic status growing up, and just like mm. a level of, you know, like struggle in a sense, and like not necessarily being super aware of what everything meant because mm. there was a lot of stress in my family around the cost of health insurance. Um, so I really clearly remember the experiences I've had where suddenly I'm getting hit with a bill I didn't anticipate. Yeah, um, yeah. I still remember the exact amount of a one mile ambulance ride you know Mm. like Mm. which is way more than a person would think for a mile oh i'm sure oh yeah yeah that's a great example of of this yes yeah with hindsight i would have walked my way to the hospital regardless (laughs) (laughs) yes so like i I kind of can i remember what it was like to not know and then be surprised Mm. and to feel that regret of like oh when they said this thing to me that's what it meant. Yeah. So I yeah. do try to be very attentive to like a new client. Oh, hey, I see that you have a high deductible plan. Uh, what's what's your familiarity with what that means? Yes, that's you a know, great like, question. Yes. Yeah, because like I used to have a high deductible plan and I didn't know what that meant. Yes. Um, so I try to explain things very clearly. I'm quite clear with like, you know, this is my interpretation. This is my understanding. Here is my awareness. I am not a insurance specialist or a legal Mm. specialist who knows all about this new surprise or this no Mm. surprises act like i will be clear on the limits to my understanding um but when i compare that to what i imagine and i am assuming here what i imagine it would be like to go to a hospital Mm. or even just a larger doctor's office Mm. it is probably just another piece of paper that is somewhere within that initial clipboard of stuff where just go through, fill in your name, fill out your identifying information, and those five pages to the back, just sign your name and date the bottom. Mm, yes. Yes. Right. No one ever tells you to read it. So someplace, yeah. yes, 
this will be noted for the hospital settings. Mm -hmm. My frustration is that while on paper it sounds great, mm -hmm. I imagine that these smaller businesses, these private practitioners will be spending all of this time explaining it through yes. the context of their practice yes. and the larger systems will be unimpacted. Yeah, but you know, Emma, I think that that, I think you just nailed that. And I think, um, you know, and that's really sad, <laughs> really unfortunate, yeah. but that's how these things I think often play out within our systems. It's like, this was meant to be something, well, like I said, I think that there's other things in it, which again, we won't take up time with, but things that are meant to um, promote the private health insurance mm -hmm. industry and, and their practices, uh, their rates and whatnot. But I think that, um, you know, unfortunately that is what will happen with this. These larger systems will find ways to bury the information yeah. will be in a position of having to disclose uh, things that again we were already kind of disclosing and we're just doing it kind of more so i think but most but most importantly though i think a lot of clients will you know in many ways i think depending and depending on how their provider explains it to them i think they'll see this for what it is i think our clients unfortunately when something like this changes or happens they're used to like exactly what you just said right they're used to yeah. that dynamic just as we are um and I think that in a lot of, and this is where some of my kind of reaction comes when I hear the catastrophic thinking among some providers, right? That, um, uh, you know, I, that, that's where some of my reaction comes from. It's like, all right, well, not to say that this isn't like serious, this isn't a major shift. And yeah, that certainly there might be some clients that you really have to kind of break this down with and who may struggle with this. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's annoying that we're being subject to something that we really weren't even doing or perpetuating on, on this end. Um, I, I can speak for all providers at least. Um, but I think that it is something that, um, you know, it can, it can, we can still learn from it. And, you know, if there are any holes or where time, like, for example, I think with us, like, and a lot of providers run into this, I loved how you talked about like describing like insurance things to clients. Cause that's really the insurance should be, you know, not only informing their clients of their cost share responsibilities, that's really on them. And we want it to be on them, not just because, it, it's because of them and it's on them, but it's also like that changes like those, you know, the, you know, once benefits can change the plan, the, the plan that they're on can change. And we don't yeah. want to speak to something that we don't know. Um, yep. But because we do have to, and a lot of providers do this and they should do this. We verify insurance before the client sees their provider. So we try to catch if a plan is inactive or whatever, but when we get those benefits, we can explain it to the client. And, and like you said, kind of break down what that means. And I think we can mm -hmm. play a role in that. And a law like this might spur providers to do more of that. And like things like that, that like maybe, you know, areas in which we could have been doing a better job disclosing, we can still learn from this and do that. Um, but I think yeah, in the end, you're right. A lot of it's going to be us doing probably a lot of redundant work and doing things we we're already doing, um, putting a lot of legwork and time into that. And, you know, these hospital systems will kind of continue doing what they're doing. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah. My biggest uh, rebellion against the man or whatever we want to say, I've kind of been taking this explanation with my clients as an opportunity to try to empower them as much as possible mm. as they continue to live in a way that's going to keep them involved in those systems. Yes. Um, I'm thinking of some folks who are navigating upcoming surgeries or pregnancies or things that like we already know are going to have bills attached to it. Yes. Um, I've been pretty attentive to like, hey, 
here's my limited understanding about this law and what it is supposed to do. So I would suggest getting some more information, potentially mm -hmm. reaching out to your insurance and kind of like finding out how this may impact your mm -hmm. involvement with the hospital system. Sure. Um, so not speaking outside of like, because I don't want to speak for a hospital system. I have no idea. I'm not a part of it. Right. Um, yep. But just kind of like, this could have an impact on you. And in the sense of like, just so you know, um, so my little attempt has been trying to empower clients to get more information on it and explore what it means for them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if they will, but I don't know. It's It makes me feel like I'm doing something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. No, I, I like that. And I think the examples that you're using, Emma, you know, that included, but even going back to what you were talking about with the insurance piece and like, in what ways can this be used as an opportunity to further connect and build rapport with clients? Right. Like I, I really enjoy, you know, I mean, obviously like I don't like self-disclose or do this with things in my own personal life with my clients, but like when it comes to something like this, that's relevant to them, I like to just be as genuine as possible. Right. Of yep. like, you know, like, you know, and there's usually there's no reason not to be. Um, but like, I try to be very just like upfront about like, like with this law, right. Like, Hey, this is the intent behind some of it at least. Um, and I think that, you know, there's going to be, you know, X, Y, and Z impacts from that, but overall for our work and then trying to be very upfront about what that is, um, yeah. you know, and just, yeah, just being upfront, like just, yeah. and again, that's that just doing that and doing it with that intent, that's going to lower the chance of a complaint or, or my practice mm -hmm. suit from that client, like multifold. And there's mm -hmm. plenty of research out there that backs that up that, you know, they've done this around like, especially with like doctors and medical care, but it applies to us as therapists too. Like, you know, just being upfront will, will help reduce that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that it's a chance to build that rapport and you can, you know, make it very clear to your client that you're still learning, right? And that mm -hmm. there could be different interpretations or things that come from this, um, right? There's going to be court cases that haven't happened yet, unfortunately. Um, yep. I know, I think the AMA and lots of, a, a number of other large organizations have already sued over this law, um, which again, you know, I, for, depending on why they're suing, right? I have my own mixed feelings about it. Um, but yeah, there's already a lot a lot of organizations pushing back on this and pushing back against you know, some of the implications of it. Um, so there could be aspects of it that aren't even applicable, right? That could be struck down in court. You know, this could all be for nothing. Um, but for right now, you know, we do have certain interpretations of it. And I think once you've consulted with your attorney or, you know, with, or again, gone to a workshop or have educated yourself on it, be upfront with your client that you're still learning too. And, yeah. and, you know, that provider or providers that are panicking or even panicking online about it, you know, that's kind of my thought is like, wait a minute, like, but like, what, like, how can we incorporate this in terms of like the rapport with the clients? Like, mm -hmm. how, how are we doing that? How are we not doing that? Um, how can we implement coping strategies and, and ways of framing this that, yeah. you know, like you just found out about it and you're already declaring bankruptcy. Like, and this is where I have the, okay, you need to slow your roll and like, exactly. like stop. Like, okay. Yep. You know, and, let's see if it's that bad actually. Yeah. And, and also like stop trying to panic other people over it too, just because you're having a temper. I'm sorry. You're having a temper tantrum over it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said it, but like, you know, like I, I, I get it. I, I get the mm -hmm. frustration behind it, but like, you know, these are the sorts of things that we're trying to like help our clients navigate and teach them to yeah. navigate, you know, I, 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 yeah, so I think that there's just a lot of opportunity in it. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I'm thankful for our group because I think, you know, that's been, you know, Megan's approach and, and my mom and everyone, like everyone else involved. I think that's been like the, the thought is like, all right, how can we really do this in a way that's actually going to really benefit our clients? And it's been you know, just from a provider perspective, that's actually been really awesome. Just as I got to see some of the alarm online and then kind of compare it to how common sense was handling it. Mm. Um, 
because if I recall correctly, I think pretty much you guys said like, hey, there's this new law in place. We're gathering information. Sit tight. We will mm. share our information with you as soon as we have it. Yeah. And that for me was just kind of like, cool. Great. Yeah. I, like, I Good. Trust, I'm glad like, to hear that. Yeah, like I can trust yes. this process. You guys have been so open with just your understanding as we have all been learning and it's been it's just felt very supported mm. and it has not felt scary which i think mm. was like the Good. biggest thing that i needed personally Good. like i didn't want to walk through this feeling like oh my god my entire livelihood mm. uh, so i think you guys have been keeping a very realistic rational perspective i'm glad to hear that i it feels that way on this end and i you know and again i there there is there's privilege i know even for me in terms of like how we have our setup here, right? So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, versus like if it were, you know, just one person, you know, running the group or overseeing it or if it were like mm -hmm. a practice setup where, you know, um, I, I think it's it's something where we're set up in a way it's, it's how should I put it? And not even just with this law, but in general, it's helpful for me because like it's very community and group oriented. Yeah. The way, you know what I mean? Like even among like the co-owners, like there's four of us in yeah. it and trying to figure out these things, not just one person. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. But yeah, it feels that way on this, on our end. It's like, listen, like we don't need to panic over this. Let's like, let's try to make this an opportunity and try to, mm -hmm. you know, um, one thing, and, and I will tout us just a little bit with this. Um, we just revamped our website and for people who um, either, you know, clients listening or other providers or whatever, I highly suggest taking a look. It's very simplified. It's much simpler than the previous website. It's not as fancy or there's not as much attached to it. That's on purpose. We're trying to make it very much like a one-stop, like, you can read about providers, read about who we are, what we do, pick a provider, sign up if you want. Um, but we're trying to really streamline it, mm -hmm. which so far the feedback I'm getting, it seems like we've, we've done that. Um, awesome. But the other piece of that is that we um, not only have information on the No Surprises Act and what we actually put in our informed consent on the website, um, we actually have a copy of our full informed consent now linked to the website. So before you even sign Perfect. up to be a client, you can literally read through all the client rights, you can read through our policies on COVID, you can read through like everything that you, the exact document that you have to sign off on to become a client, it's just out there for the public to look at. Um, and like that, I was actually really excited about to, to put that out there because I just, no one else does that. And I think that, mm -hmm. um, again, it's very in the spirit of like this law and just in general. Um, but uh, yeah, so I highly recommend people taking a look at that. And um, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So um, I know we're going over on time, I think at this no, point, we we'll are. be on half an hour. <laughs> we should stop. chatty. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, well, let me steal a moment then to highlight uh, one of our black owned businesses. Yes. Um, so I want to highlight, again, an Etsy store. This one is called the Pink Locket. Um, probably unsurprisingly, it is a jewelry Etsy shop. Um, I'm sure I'm not supposed to say I have favorites, but I absolutely love the Pink Locket. I I have one of, I'm not wearing it right now, but one of my favorite necklaces is from the Pink Locket. Um, I would describe the style as, it, it strikes me as rather like minimalist, but modern. Um, understated perhaps is a better way to put it because mm. there's a lot of like hammered metals, um, beautiful like artisanal work. I just, ugh, I could just stare at all of, I actually do get lost in her Etsy shop and just love on every item. Um, they are beautiful, but like excessively wearable, mm. if that makes sense. You know, yes. I don't know yeah. how many of us remember the, um, like that gaudy chunky necklace stage of, fashion um which 
super fun and great and good. But, you know, you, you have to have the right outfit for it. Mm. These are really beautiful, understated, timeless, classic pieces. So mm. highly recommend. Um, I know my, the necklace that I got was bought during more, like, peak COVID times. Mm. So there were, like, of course, understandable shipping delays. But I was impressed, even with that, how quickly it came in this mm. time where everything was delayed by 10 million years. So wow. nice. um, high service, high quality beautiful items cannot rave enough about the pink locket nice okay. actually it's almost been hard for me to be looking at it as i'm like preparing to highlight the business because i'm just like oh that's nice. <laughs> i should buy that one too you know spending some money as you're preparing for the episode yeah i actually have a cart already so you know i might nice. just purchase after this episode <laughs> that's awesome that's great Oh, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing them. That's awesome. Absolutely. And yeah. And I, I'm sure we'll come back to the No Surprises Act. I'm sure um, there'll be more to, to talk about, probably. Um, yeah. Not to compare it to COVID, but it's kind of like COVID, I guess, in that way. Um, Another ongoing trauma. Yeah. yeah, yeah ongoing <laughs> trauma. Um, no, COVID is very different, just, to, just yes. to make that clear. Yes, we're joking. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, we'll come back to this. And then, um, yeah, we'll pick it up in our next episode. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you, Emma. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.